Between the Banners, Episode 3. A win so decisive, the guy who presided over the United States of frickin' America for eight years left early. A win so decisive that Big Baller Brand exited the court after 33 seconds. 88 to 72 heels over number one Duke. And I am here with Brandon Anderson and Joe Carpenter to talk about it. Brandon, you had some takes uh, when we got on the call pre-show. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Four second pause there. Oh, man. So we have I been trying to, to do some to research. Well, I was going to say, we've been trying to do some research in this pre-recording. There's nowhere where we can just find a list of UNC Duke games. Have we figured out when the last time we won by double digits in Cameron was? I think Krzyzewski's back hurt that game. It didn't yeah, count. Probably. It didn't count. It didn't count. Well, this one didn't you count. Know, um, this one doesn't count, and we'll get to why. But, um, Brandon, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go to you first. Just overall kind of takeaway from the game. I know we discussed that uh, the Atlanta Falcons fan in you was not quite comfortable. At what point were you comfortable? I was comfortable when there was about 40 seconds left in the game. So... <laughs> That was a crazy game. Um, as we all know, that one guy blew his shoe and then potentially blew his knee. I don't know what happened. I mean, he's walking fine. Um, but after that, I mean, you know, things just – you could tell that the Duke players just didn't know what to do. And that's kind of interesting given that Zion has said time and time again that Barrett is the leader on that team. And now, granted. Barrett had a really good night, and Cam Reddish stepped up. So, you know, that's a good sign that Duke would have been able to do something. But despite UNC's shooting troubles, they just kept taking it to the rim. I mean, they didn't have their best rim protector, which, you know, we could say that, you know, maybe that played some hand in it. But, I mean, ultimately, UNC was just a better team. I mean, you got – People that have been there for longer than a year, you got Deloria, you got, um, what's the kid's name? Bolden. McConnell, Bolden, whoever. Like, it just, they couldn't stop him. They couldn't stop Luke. You know, it just, it was a beatdown. It was one of the best beatdowns in a long time. Brandon, let me jump in there. It it was a beatdown. This is Joe Carpenter. Yeah, Ladies and here's and the thing is here's the thing is that uh, it's not the first time we've seen Zion out for a good portion of the game, right? He's out uh, with the eye injury against the second half of Florida State and the uh, on the road, and the narrative that all we see is man, Duke can really overcome the loss of Zion. They can play really well against a tall, athletic team. And Florida State is great at home, which they are, of course. We all agree with that. And, man, Duke is awesome. They can overcome that. And what we saw tonight was a total meltdown. And, frankly, maybe it was with him, and maybe it wasn't, because the Carolina game plan was obviously totally different. 
And I'm going to tell you, it's not like Roy Williams saw Zion go down and all of a sudden called the audible and said, now the game plan is we're only going to shoot inside and we're going to have a lot of backcourt, backdoor plays and we're going to throw a bunch of oops. That clearly wasn't what happened. I mean, that was the game plan all along and it was just executed very well. But I will just point out that you will not see a narrative tomorrow, which is what frustrates me so much. Because these guys, Duke, when they when they beat Florida State on the road with Zion out in the whole second half, the whole narrative was, they are great. It doesn't matter who they play with. And tonight, it'll be, they are not great at home if they don't have their lineup. And that does such a disservice to the heels tonight, but that's going to be what the story is tomorrow. Absolutely, 100%. And, I mean, UNC was getting whatever they wanted. Just, you know, we talked about on Monday night where if UNC was going to win, this was going to be an up-and-down game, and it was. And it felt like the heels were playing five-on-three on offense for most of the night because you had Garrison Brooks go six of seven for 14 points. You had Luke May put up 20 or uh, 30, I'm sorry, uh, Cam Johnson, 26 without hitting a three. I mean, it was just a destruction of the defense. And the thing is, UNC was not shooting the ball well at all, at all. And Joe, I'll let you cook on it a little bit more. I don't know how much Zion really changes this game because Javin Delorier came in and had a dunk steal and another dunk for four points early in the game to stem the tide from UNC. But then UNC just kept on rolling along. Yeah, so it's a defensive matchup, right? So the question's going to be going in is, uh, does does May go off like he did? And I mean, a, a super impressive game uh, for Luke May. I mean, he comes out, he shoots 14 and 24 Puts up 30 points, comes down with 15 rebounds, 12 on the defensive end, three offensive, clearly dominated the game on the interior. I mean, he was the player of the game on the interior. Question is, does he do that with Zion in the game? Maybe, maybe not. I look at Cam Johnson, though, and and he's going off against Barrett, who uh, many people consider to be the second-best player in college basketball, and Cam Johnson schooled him. Schooled them inside, schooled them outside. Barrett got his points, no question. And by the second half, Carolina was slacking off on the defense. Here's what I would say is that I totally uh, uh, discounted what Carolina needed to do on offense because uh, there's no question that once Zion went out, it, it created a void on the interior. But look, Carolina shot 2 of 20, 10% from 3. Um, maybe their lowest shooting percentage of the year. I hadn't had a chance to look at it at this point. Um, Duke, uh, 8 for 39, 20%. I thought Carolina needed to get up into the the uh, 18 makes range. I thought they had to have that. Did not tonight, with uh, and perhaps with Zion out. But, you know, the, uh, the, the play, Luke May and Cam Johnson, just... Absolutely unbelievable on the end here in the, the both the mid range and close to basket tonight. And Brandon, we've hey, talked about uh, wait, is it Akil? 
I think I'm in. We're also joined by Akil Garufer on here uh, about 10 minutes into the podcast. So, Akil, I'm going to kick you a question. Uh, Brandon, I'll get back to you in a second. Akil, we've talked about uh, the seniors needing to step up, and Joe just touched on it a little bit, but the performance of Luke May and Cam Johnson tonight was an alpha performance, which in big games we haven't really seen this year. It's been more Kobe White or Nasir Little a couple times or, you know, some of the other guys. So in the last time they uh, go to Cameron, why did uh, Cam Johnson and Luke May step up so hard? It was absolutely ridiculous. And I think part of it was that um, we've talked a little bit on Tar Heel Blog before about how because the seniors are all shooters first that they can't have the kind of – or it's more unreliable to ask them to have their kind of alpha mentality and take over games. But today it was all in the paint. Cam Johnson was driving. Luke May was bodying guys who didn't have experience with skilled post players. They made all of their money in the paint by being more experienced and in camp, in both of their cases, a lot of the time, just knowing what to do and doing it better than Duke could with basically no experience playing good post defense because Zion Williams could cover all, cover for all their mistakes. And, I mean, as, as we just touched on, I mean, UNC was 2 of 20 from 3. Uh, Brandon, how much money would it have taken you to pick UNC knowing that the Heels would shoot 10% from three and win the game by 16 points? There's no chance. There, there's <laughs> just no chance. But, you know, I also probably wouldn't have bet money on what happened to Zion either. So, you know, there's that. But, I mean, even still, you know, Duke's really athletic. You know, Deloria, like, he's not bad. Bolden's all right. I, I'm, you know, like – I. I actually don't think Bolden's that bad. I think he's gotten the short straw since he's been at Duke, and now it's kind of biting Coach K in the butt. He didn't take the time to really, you know, turn him into a Wendell Carter or um, that other guy, Bagley, or, you know, like a Zion. And it's unfortunate because, like, I feel like, you know, he he's able to, you know, kind of – you know, be that rim protector, maybe, but I don't know that we'll ever know or, or you know, ever get to see it. But, you know, I, I feel like I feel like Carolina winning the way that they won with just shooting absolutely terribly from three. I feel like that is a really good sign for the future because, I mean, you have to win games like that. Like you have to figure out how to win games like that when shots aren't going in. I, I feel like that's one of those things that, you know, there's a lot of talk about role reversal when it comes to UNC and Duke. And the thing is when Duke used to have shooters, they didn't know how to win when they weren't making shots. Carolina just figured it out. And it's not the first time they figured it out this year. So like, well, from three, uh, I should be more specific, but I, I just feel like if this is what, they just jump started tonight. I mean, it's going to be more interesting down this last stretch of conference play than I thought. Yeah, and I'll keep it with you here because you you uh, touched on a point that I wanted to get mm. to because this is something I wrote about and I wrote about it last year. Um, at this point last year, before the first Carolina Duke game, when I wrote my Coach K call-out piece, uh, Bolden had had three straight DNPs uh, going into the UNC game. 
If Marcus Bolden was at UNC as a junior this year, I don't think it's crazy to say UNC is the number one team in the country. And I mean, the guy has his moments, but he just looks lost out there because he was never developed. So my takeaway was at about the eight minute mark, um, they, they cut to uh, a TV timeout and Coach K is talking to the refs. Roy Williams is coaching his players. Am I crazy to think that that is just the style that they run and Coach K just has literally never even bothered to coach these guys? I think he's used – oh, hey, go ahead. Oh, that's – whoever wants oh. to bring up yeah. Emil, Emil Jefferson from the 2015 team who was like a redshirt senior by the time he left. And he got – like he started out okay and got better every year. And I don't know whether like K is just more focused on the freshmen now because he's getting them at, at such a higher rate than he was in 2015, or if or uh, or Bolden might just be uncoachable. But something has changed there for sure. I mean, yeah, I I really can't put my finger on it, and you know, it's hard for me to say that Coach K is just like the absolute worst coach or anything like that. Like, obviously he's good, but I think there's something about what Roy Williams is able to do with what he has that I don't, I just haven't been able to see coach K figure it out quite as well. I mean, Luke may is a perfect example. When he got to UNC, I think Roy was really the only person that believed that he could be good. We didn't necessarily think that he would be bad, but we just, you know, we weren't thinking by his senior year he was going to be preseason All-American. Like, there was, uh, that's another thing I would not have, like, bet my entire savings account on. And I, I just think that right now what we're seeing when it comes to that aspect specifically is the difference between a coach that knows how to develop and a coach that knows how to just manage – 70% developed already talent. Yeah, but let's let's be honest about what happened tonight, guys. I mean, this is a team, they lost the, the number one guy, number two recruit, number one, what we think is going to be the NBA draft talent. Lost them very early in the game. Uh, they're down 10 at the half. I think we would all agree that that should have been closer, given those last 90 seconds, 60 seconds, right? Probably should have been six, four, maybe five on the point, right? And uh, and these are guys that come out with the number one overall recruit, number three overall recruit in the national recruiting classes. They have the whole halftime to come out, and they looked shell shocked in the second half. And that's not on those kids. That's on the coach that's back there at halftime telling them this is the adjustment that we're going to make in the second half to come out and play better, and they just did not. And so from a coaching standpoint, that's exhibit A for me, honestly. Well, and I'm going to throw this little extra bit in there. They did what they did against Louisville, against us. They went to that, you know, full court, press zone whatever you want to call that i i anyways 
they were able to start doing what they did to Louisville. And the one thing that Carolina did that Louisville didn't was for one, they navigated it better. I didn't, I mean, they didn't navigate it perfectly. There were still mistakes, but the other thing that was happening was when Duke would get a steal, Carolina would just steal it right back. Like they just didn't give up on the play. And it's like when K basically just, you know, he, he's just like, okay, we've done this before. You guys are good enough. Just do this. Like he didn't have an adjustment for that. Like he couldn't for the life of him, he couldn't figure out how to just like get them to stop Carolina. And it's just, yeah, it was something. Yeah. The, the coming back on them with a lot of steals or, Stop, just somehow stopping them from getting a ton of fast break points, which Duke has just feasted on this whole season, was definitely key to, like, just from a morale standpoint, even if the lead wasn't threatened all that much, it was just really good for the guys, I think, to be able to not give up on plays where they looked like they got shut down and take advantage of inexperience and just, like, crazy chaotic situations and like come out on top in a lot of situations where Duke has just demoralized a lot of opponents this year. Yeah. So here's the thing. And I mean, it, it look, the analogies are different. Clearly Carolina was an underdog coming into Cameron. But if you look last year, right, UMBC against Virginia, they take the lead. Virginia starts jacking threes. The stats get way off on what Virginia shoots on threes on a regular basis versus what they shot then on um, uh, seconds per possession get way off, and Virginia ends up losing early. And you look at that and you say, okay, maybe that's a model for how a top-seeded team that looks undefeatable through a hard conference loses early and you look at duke tonight duke shot 39 threes 39 and i know they lose zion and i get that and injuries are going to happen and you know what maybe it's because he tweaks his knee tonight maybe it's because he picks up two early fouls in a game that that comes down in the third week of march or fourth week of march right and he can't play the rest of the first half or something I mean, those are the kinds of issues that happen, and all of a sudden you get a team that gets way out of their comfort zone, and I'm going to tell you, that's coaching, because what Roy Williams does is just plug the other players in and says, we're going to do our thing. We may lose, but it's not going to be a big loss like this is, and, and what Duke ends up doing is shoots eight for 39 from three, at home, which is not and, what they do for an offensive percept, uh, and an feel, offensive perspective. Perspective. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I muted myself because I was actually <laughs> getting another beer. Um, so I, I realized I, I kept on getting talked over. And I didn't know why. Um, I had failed to unmute myself. But it brings up a good point because you know Duke never really adjusted the Zion injury, and that's going to be a big talking point from this game. I know UNC won one without uh, the number 32 who shall not be named during uh, Roy Williams' time. 
I'm pretty sure they won one with Quentin Thomas starting at point guard over Ty Lawson um, because Lawson was injured. Um, for me, you know, and I, I just kind of look at it and I see, you know, even with UNC basically getting an injured performance from the point guard spot, Kobe White going three of 14 and having at least six turnovers. Uh, Seventh Woods having his best game in about a month. But Kobe White made a huge play earlier, early in the game to uh, set, set the tone by uh, getting the chase down block on Trey Jones. And Seventh Woods may have salted the game away by taking Trey Jones. Or did I say Seventh Jones? Uh, seventh mm. Woods may have uh, salted <laughs> the, game, the game away by uh, taking Trey Jones to the basket about three times in a row at about the 12-minute mark of the second half. Um, Akil, I'm going to kick it to you since you're the first-time caller on this one. What was the biggest uh, point guard play out of this game? And, you know, throw out all the injuries because UNC's won with uh, injured star players before in this rivalry. The biggest point guard play? Yep. Um, I mean, I'm tempted to also just top on that stretch of Seventh Woods. I think he hit a layup, then got fouled and hit a free throw, then hit another layup, and then took a charge. All around, like, in about 90 seconds. And that just... It, in a series where offense looked like it just wasn't happening, he just made things happen. He got a stop so UNC could get its stuff back together. And like that just was a huge turning point, or at least like an inflection point for and, the game's momentum. And I teed you up as the co-resident Seventh Woods fanboy um, for that one, because that's really the platonic <laughs> ideal of... Um, Exactly what we've been looking for out of it. Tonight, tonight, tonight. (laughs) Just cheering on. Because tonight (laughs) is Seventh Woods Night, honestly. I mean, this is it. But go ahead. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Now, Joe, I'm going to ask you about the uh, opposite point guard. I've seen Trey Jones mentioned as the National Defensive Player of the Year, and our backup point guard styled on him. Uh, Trey Jones, meanwhile, one of 11 field goals, one of six from three, three points total, three fouls, three turnovers, and five assists. Um, did you see anything that UNC did to neutralize him? Because I yeah. honestly thought he was going to be the key to a comeback if Duke was going to make a comeback in this game. Yeah, so honestly, I mean, what Caroline did to neutralize him was put Kobe White on the floor. Uh, because uh, it was not his best game, and he got a little overmatched, particularly on the defensive end. Uh, Trey Jones finishes with uh, eight rebounds, all on the defensive end, but uh, very impressive. He goes uh, four steals. I've got um, uh, one block. I mean, he... Look, the guy is a, a, a very impressive on the defensive end. I thought we saw it early. He disrupted us. We talked on the Slack channel. Carolina should have been ahead by more early. This should not have been a game 10, 12, 15 minutes in. But Kobe White was making bad turnovers. Uh, seventh did, you know, came in and did fine. Uh, 
And especially in a game when Caroline was not shooting well from the outside, right? So it's not like uh, seventh deficit from the exterior uh, shooting threes was that much worse than what Kobe was doing or, frankly, what Cam was doing or Kenny was doing. Um, because nobody shot it well from deep. Um, but I, 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 I think honestly, I think seventh had a great game, was a good plug. Uh, we have got to get Kobe going. It's a tough atmosphere, right? I think we can all agree that going into Cameron and having those guys screaming at you from 12 feet from your face, you know, on the corner of the floor is a, that's a tough environment, but I think he did pretty pretty well. A lot of turnovers. Not uh, as many three points assists as we and six would turnovers. like. I mean, he, he had a rough game and UNC won by 16. Yeah. Shit happens. Which, <laughs> now let me, just, let me just back up real quick. So here's the thing. This is what we've been talking about all year. We can have games where guys have bad, bad games. Not good shooting performances, bad turnover performances, and yet we're going to win by 5 or 10. And in this case, we played the number one team, and we did that because we had Cam, and we had Luke that played very well, and we had Kenny who did not shoot well from deep, and we had Kobe who did not shoot well from deep, and frankly, uh, Robinson did not shoot well from deep, but that's okay because we have sort of this collective hole that comes out and and makes up for the plus there. And that's what we had tonight, and that's what I think the formula is moving forward in order to help us advance. I can dig it. And, you know, right now UNC is back tied atop the ACC at 11-2. and two. And on that good note, we are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. Brandon, I asked you right before the break, what can Duke expect of their auxiliary players in game two of the series here in 16 days um is this something that is sustainable can carolina count on this for round two or does unc maybe need to watch out for an o'connell or a jack white or a, i mean not a gold wire that guy's trash but um <laughs> should should unc uh maybe have an eye on one of those guys in the second game so i also think jack white is trash but I think what's important for Carolina to do in the next game is to not rely on whatever they saw tonight in terms of the lack of production from the support players. I think O'Connell is a good enough shooter that you kind of have to just stay on him no matter what. Um, Jack White's been known to make shots, even though it doesn't really happen often. Um, I, I just think that you know, if they start toying around and just relying on the fact that, you know, like Barrett and Reddish and if they get them back, Zion are going to get hot and then everybody's just else is just going to kind of be there, you know, doing little bits and pieces, but not actually, you know, given any scoring production. I feel like that's that's kind of a silly way to go about it. We all know that there's always that one hero that shows up for Duke or really whoever, especially in the Dean Smith Center. They just have that night where they can't be stopped. And it, it, you, you just have to plan for that and hope that it doesn't happen. And Joe, I mean, I, I know you're definitely going to be the most optimistic of this bunch, but 
Who's going to be that guy for Duke in two and a half weeks if it's going to be anybody? I mean, I think we all understand that Zion Williamson will get his if he is able to play. And if I were anybody handling him or somebody who told him to turn down a quarter million dollars to go to Kansas, I'd tell him not to play. But um, where's Duke going to get that production outside of the big three uh, if they're going to split this uh, season series? So, look, they're not going to shoot uh, 8-4-39 from three, nor are we going to shoot 2-4-20 uh, from three. I mean, the, the game in, in uh, Chapel Hill is going to be a very different game, right? These guys, uh, they're going to come out. They're going to come out firing. We're going to come out firing. Honestly, I, I really thought in Cameron that the backdrop was going to be such that you were going to see a lot of shots fall. That just didn't happen, and maybe it was the pressure of the the uh, series, and maybe it was the just the atmosphere where we had. But you know, you're gonna come out. This is not gonna be a typical Carolina Duke game the next time out because we're playing two weeks later, seventeen days, right? And so this is very different from what we've experienced in the past at least by a handful of days, and these guys are going to come out, and they're going to be like, you know what, we know who we're playing against, we're going to shoot up some shots, and we're going to make a lot. And and that's what I think is going to happen. I think it's going to be a very different game, because where Carolina was very inside, they're going to be outside, I think Duke, the same, uh, the same concept, they're not going to shoot, you know, 12, 15, 20% from outside, they're going to have to get something that uh that's going deep and that's what you're going to see it's going to be a very different game it's going to put a very different uh score up on the board and um uh, we're going to have to think about some uh different defenses cuz you're not going to get to slouch on the drives it's going to be uh play play on the perimeter yeah and i i agree there'll be uh two separate games and we'll, we'll kind of close it on this because as I'm watching the intro to uh, Scott Van Pelt's uh, wrap up of it, the first two UNC highlights were highlighted by a Brandon Robinson rebound, 80 feet of dribbling, and then a Garrison Brooks missed dunk that was followed by a Luke May layup, which was the most uncontested 94 feet I've ever seen. And, and four fouls, four fouls on Robinson that were not called by the way on the deep end, but that's fine. And a Cam Johnson missed <laughs> layup that UNC cleaned up. Um, I don't think either team played their best game, but uh, UNC's B game was better than Duke's B game, and the Heels won by 16 points. So, Brandon, I'll give it to you first. Uh, final thoughts on this very fun win on Wednesday night. So... UNC obviously needed this one. They just they just did because they didn't have that marquee game that they had won outside of Gonzaga. And taking down the number one team, I don't care how you did it. I don't care where you did it. I don't care. I, I just don't care. I don't care if Mercury, Mercury was in retrograde. I don't care about any of that <laughs> stuff. You beat a number one team, that makes your resume instantly look better come March. Gotta keep the ball rolling and hope that, you know, I don't know what's gonna happen in round two of UNC versus Duke, 
but all of a sudden everything's looking a lot better against everybody else. If you figure out a way to not lose, you know, drop more than, you know, one or two games down the stretch, hopefully no more than one, then, you know, everything's sitting a lot prettier than maybe we had thought. And, you know, hopefully going into tournament time, we just hopefully there's enough that happens to where, you know, selection, you know, the selection show is um, one that we can hope to see UNC put in a really good position. I'm I'm looking for a one C at this point. Um, Joe, any final wrap up? Sure. So last year, going in the tournament, this is a squad in the ACC tournament heading to the championship that had nine losses, and it was a difficult schedule, but nine losses. These guys have five. They got five games left in the regular season. I mean, you can calculate out where you think the losses are and strength of schedule and where we are on playing on the road. But this is a big win, and the truth is, from a media perspective, it didn't matter what happened to Zion. There was going to be an excuse for a Carolina win. But here we are. We come out victorious. We've got games remaining. Now, look, here's the thing. Gotta get by this weekend, right? Because it gets really quick in the ACC down the stretch, and you gotta beat a good team on the weekend. That's what we've got to have have uh, on uh, Saturday, frankly. But this is a team that is trending to a number one. They're a quiet number one. They're not going to be the number one overall. But, man, what a great game tonight, a great win, and a real beatdown, honestly, on the cheese eaters. This is fantastic. And and Joe, I know you were you were with me in the we needed to start drinking uh, a little bit prior to the game. Um, I know I told you I took <laughs> my first shot when Luke May finally hit a three in the first half. Um, if you need to drop a shit, yeah, we can drop an explicit on this. So, your final thoughts in three words. You have three words. Beat those assholes. Boom. And Akil, you are the last to join. You are the last to get to speak here. Um, what's your big takeaway? We're not going to really get into the Florida State game because that's a whole nother can of turkeys today. Um, I mean, we won by 16 points on the road against the number one team in the country. That's not a bad night, and I think we might have lost sight of that a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, if the number one team in the country with three of the top the presumptive five, top five picks in the next year's NBA draft is somehow not an elite team with two of the presumptive top five picks in the next year's NBA draft. Like, I don't want to hear it. So beating that team by 16 and making them look absolutely silly on defense over and over and over again when they're supposed to be the most disruptive defensive team in the country. It just shows you how good the, these heels are at executing on offense. It wasn't the kind of shooting night that we've come to expect from them, but 
They're a ridiculous passing team. They got to the rim at will. They finished with skill. They they did everything right other than getting the deep ball in. And against a team that has been so good on defense like Duke, you know, I don't care whether or not Zion was in. Like, one player could make your offense. He does not make your defense. And so what UNC was able to do to them, just completely slice them up, is looking really, really good for this team's future. Yeah, one player makes your defense if you have a Lawrence Taylor or a Darrell Revis or, you know, a Michael Jordan or a Gary Payton. Um, one player does not make your defense when he is a post defender in a perimeter oriented game. Um, UNC still shot two of 20 from three and won at Duke by 16 points. Uh, that's going to wrap it for Between the Banners episode three. I'm going to have some serious editing to do on this one. But we hope to get it to y'all very soon, and we appreciate y'all listening. Carolina 88, Duke 72. I will close on this. The Sporting News uh, tweeted an image of the Duke spirit fingers spirit fingering at Luke May during halftime and said, this is one of the greatest scenes in college sports. It is one of the greatest scenes in college sports when, at the time they tweeted it, UNC was up 15 points, and Luke May already had 22 of those points. Heels win by 16. Heels might win again in 16 days. We'll talk to y'all soon.